Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Bill's lesson today is in Luke chapter 12, titled, The Cross is the Key. Good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. It's uh, Father's Day. My Father's Day sermon is, I'm not preaching a Father's Day sermon, but I'm preaching a sermon on Father's Day. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Luke 12, making our way. Got to get finished before, before I die with Luke here. Lots to cover, lots and lots. Luke chapter 12, we're going to be down in verses uh, 49 through 53. And uh, you know, Jesus, of course, regularly speaks in very sobering words. It seems like anymore our churches kind of avoid those words. And uh, I don't understand that. Unless we, we get to decide what eternity is, I and mean, we get to design what truth is, and uh, it's a huge mistake. A lot of t- honestly, uh, a lot of times uh, preachers and churches avoid them because they're difficult. And, uh, you know, we should take the good with the bad. I mean, if you, the fun with the not-so-fun, and one of the, the passes where we're going to be today, it's interesting, I think, I think the, the last uh, less-than-favorite passage, I guess you could say, that I preached was on Mother's Day. So now we get Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, get these uh, heavy hitters. Uh, Luke chapter 12, we're going to be down in verse 49 in just a minute. You know, logos play a lot of, uh, in our culture. Uh, logos mean a lot of things to us. For instance, this one, uh, you probably have never seen that one before, right? My two-year-old daughter could not read. She knew what that meant, though. McDonald, she would say, McDonald, McDonald, McDonald. How do, how do you know when you bring your kids too often to McDonald's when you're two-year-old? It's one of like the six words she could say. Actually, she could really speak by that time, but... Uh, you know, universal. I've been to the lowest McDonald's on the planet. You know where that is? It's on the Dead Sea in Israel. It's uh, like 900 feet below sea level, uh, right on the banks of the Dead Sea. Anyway, just claim to fame. I had to throw that out there. Another, uh, do you know what that one is? Did you drive here in that? You know that one, right? How do we know that? It's universal. I mean, you go anywhere pretty much in the world, and they know that symbol. Uh, may not be able to read. They know what it says, though. Uh, it says Mercedes, of course. Uh, they know that one. You know that one, right? Uh, these are uh, well-known logos. Uh, these are not, though, they don't make the top four, though. May, that may surprise you. The top four most well-recognized logos in the world, starting with number four, is that one. That's even ahead of Google. Uh, number four, number three, did you know that? Not Chevrolet, not Mercedes, not BMW, not Toyota, not none of these. Ford, Ford's been here a long time. You travel in any other countries, you'll, you'll see Fords. I saw Fords in Australia, I saw Fords in, of course, Mexico, other places that I've been. Uh, that one, number two, that may shock you, that's the only the number two, but probably when I show you number one, you'll understand why that one's uh, barely made number two, actually close to being tied for number one with that one, number one. Now, how are you going to beat that one, right, the, the Nike swoosh? Well, these are popular, uh, of course, logos in our world today, but the most well-known symbol in the world today is actually that. Whether they understand it or not, whether they are rightly oriented to it or not, whether they believe it or not, whether they comprehend what it means or not, the cross 
is by far the most universally well-known logo symbol that there is. You think about how strange that is. I mean, go back up to the the that one or that one or that one or that one. How much money? How much power? How much influence? How much industry? How much uh, product has been sold to accomplish these? the universality of this one as compared to that guy who was born to poverty-stricken parents in a little bitty town on the fringe of Israel, born in a stable, laid in a manger, raised in uh, blue-collar, uh, by blue-collar parents uh, in an out-of-the-way town called Nazareth, uh, lived his whole life with not two pennies to rub together, uh, gathered around him 12 effectively ne'er-do-wells uh, in, their, in that culture day. One of them, uh, of course, uh, betrayed him, so it wound up with only being 11. Dies, they divide everything that he has at the foot of the cross, and he doesn't even have an extra change of clothes. They have to tear apart one of, one of his seamless garments. How does a guy like that have the most recognized symbol in the world. It's totally antithetical. Totally, if, if you're a business person. How, how did he market that? How is that possible? Unless there's something else going on here that we're unaware of, or I, should, well, I shouldn't say that, that we hopefully are aware of, that, that the world is unaware of. of, of uh, there's a power behind this. There's, there's, a, there's a spirit behind this that is not anything like these most recognized symbols that we have in the world today, the cross is the key. And as we're going to see, I believe, the cross is the key to understanding uh, our passage today. Look at verses 49 through 53. Again, tough words from Jesus. I have come to cast fire upon the earth. Wow. It's quite, quite, not quite the gentle Jesus sitting in a, a, a pasture stroking a lamb, the kind of image we have you know, in Sunday school classes and other things. Not to say that's an inaccurate picture of Jesus, it's just that it's not the... It's not the full picture, is it? So we're getting the other side of things. If you will, I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. <whistles> Tough words. But I have a baptism, so he can't do that until he undergoes this baptism, he says. And how I distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I claim to grant peace on the earth? I tell you no, but rather division. We're going to stop right there, because, man, we already have a mouthful here, and uh, we'll go down in verses, the following verses here in just a minute. But popular perception of Jesus, of course, in the world is that he was a man of love and a man of peace, and, and uh, that he came preaching a message of love and of peace. And you can't argue with that, because we've got a lot of Scripture that say the same thing. Look at, look at these verses. First of all, it's going to sound like Christmas for the first couple of two, because these are the ones we read every year, Christmas time. Unto us. A child is born unto us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now that is a platform I can vote for. The return of Jesus, we talked about that last time. Jesus is coming back to assume the role of monarch over this planet. It won't be a democracy. The, the, guy, the only way a democracy, a monarch, can work is if the top guy is perfect. And of course, that's exactly what you have in Christ. Jesus is coming to be the single earth ruler permanently the government is going to be upon his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful counselor 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You can understand why people say Jesus came as a person of peace. He came to preach peace. Indeed, he did. In fact, when he came, there's, here's the, the night of his uh, birth. Glory to God and the high angels speaking here. And on earth, peace. Goodwill to men. You see, that's the desire of God. The desire of God is that we have peace. The desire of God is that, that Jesus bring peace. Jesus, in fact, in every way was a missionary of peace. Tells us there about what he came to preach. In fact, he came and preached peace to you who were far off. That's us, right? Here we are, a long ways from Israel. And to those who were near, preach the same message all the way through. Promised peace, right? These things I have spoken to you, here's Jesus' own words, that in me you may have peace. So are they right saying that Jesus came preaching love and peace? Absolutely. In the world you'll have trouble, tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. To, 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 the, to the harlot who washes his feet with her hair, he says, your sins are forgiven you. Go in peace. To the woman with the issue of blood, when she's healed, he says, go in peace. He promises peace. He preaches peace. He offers peace. He comes with a message of peace. Isaiah predicts 500 years before Jesus ever walks the earth that he would be the prince of peace, right? Jesus is all those things. Peace, here's his own words. I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now we've got to take that, Jesus' own words, and we have to temper them with Jesus' own words. Look at verse 51. Do not suppose that I came to grant peace on the earth. I tell you no, but rather division. How is that so? How, how, how does that reconcile with that? Well, it tells us, first of all, that it's not universal and that it's not unconditional. So everybody wants to read Jesus and say, oh, Jesus brought unconditional peace and, and, and pride. No, he didn't. No, he didn't, because, like I said, you can't read that verse and not read this verse. They, they go together. The same Jesus didn't forget what he was saying at one point and remember at another point. This peace is true for others and not true for some. Not unconditional. Uh, consider his offer of peace to Israel. He came offering peace. But notice how it ended. This is his final four days, five days uh, alive on the planet. And he saw the city, Jerusalem, and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, that things, the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes to this day. They're hidden. It's not unconditional, ladies and gentlemen. It is conditional. And the cross is the key. The cross is the key. Not unconditional, not universal. It has to do in every way with your answer to the question that he posed to the disciples. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say? Who do you say? See, he can't be just a good teacher because the Bible doesn't just say that. He can't be just a preacher of peace because the Bible doesn't just say that. He can't be just a healer because the Bible doesn't just say that. The Bible very clearly says he's God himself, the Son of God, who became flesh to take our place because our, our number one problem is sin. Separates us from the God who created us. 
And the only way to reconcile us to the God who created us is that God himself will become one of us, died and paid for that sin on the cross so that accepting what he did for us, we can be forgiven and reconciled with God. And then comes peace. But you have to, you have to call it correctly. Can you agree that if you have an idea of Jesus that doesn't agree with what Jesus said, you're not going to have that peace? Can't we agree with that? There was a pastor who had a story. He was uh, getting ready for a, a large event. His family and he were attending this large event. His, his, his wife and himself and his kids. And his, his wife and his kids were leaving separately earlier than he was. And he still needed to get in the shower, still needed to shave and get ready. And so they were leaving. They were headed out the door. And he was upstairs uh, taking a shower. And when they got outside, they realized that he'd parked behind them in the driveway. So, so the mom sent the youngest son upstairs to get the keys, and he had laid his wallet out, he laid his keys out, and he had laid out this little silver cross that he kept in his pocket, laid it out on the, on the dresser, uh, top of the dresser. The little boy went up there, and he couldn't find the keys, but he found the cross. He wasn't really sure about that. So he goes in the bathroom, his dad's in there shaving, and he holds up the cross, he says, Dad, is this the key? And of course, Dad knew what he was talking about, but he said, you know, as a matter of fact, son, it is. It's the key to everything. The cross is the key to everything. It's the key to the peace of God. It's the key to the truth of God. Yes, Jesus is a preacher of love and peace and, and brought the peace of God. He's God himself. But, but the cross is the key. And where you fall on the cross decides which way you go. It's, it's the dividing thing. You don't think I've come to bring uh, uh, peace. I've come to bring division. Notice what he goes on to say here in verse uh, following verse uh, 53, uh, verse 52 and 53. From now on, five members of one household will be divided, three against two, two against three. Why? All has to do with how they answer this question. They will be divided, father against son, son against daughter, father mother uh, against father, mother against daughter-in-law, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Division. Why? Because you have to decide. Jesus is the deciding factor. Where do you go? The cross is the key. Where do you stand with the cross? What's your position on it? The cross is the key to peace. The cross is the peace, is the key regarding the fire. Notice verse 49. Again, I've come to cast fire upon the earth. You know, it's interesting. It, it, that's strong language in the English, but actually in the Greek it's even stronger. It, the, the, the fire part is emphatic. For fire I have come. That's the way the Greek reads. For fire. Wow. For fire I have come, and oh how I wish it were already kindled. Fire is, of course, classically in the Scriptures, the element of judgment. How do you know what's going to burn and what's not going to burn? Light it on fire. Get it really hot. How do you know what's valuable and what's invaluable, what's combustible and incombustible? Light it on fire. How I wish that it was already kindled, he says. In verse 50, he, he's, he's talking about there, in, he, says, he says something very interesting, I, I find it. He says, I've, I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. What's he talking about? He's talking about the cross. The cross is the key. He's talking about, why does he call it baptism? Because it's, it's full immersion. He's going to be immersed into the wrath of God. See, he's coming to bring fire one way, either he's coming to take our fire on the cross, the fires of judgment, 
everything that you did, every thought that you thought that was out of the orders of God, everything that you accomplished, everything that you did that was out of the direction of what God had for you, Jesus took that and paid for it on the cross. He took your fire. The cross is the key. Where, Where do you stand on the cross? The cross is the key. It's the division. It's the dividing line. Either Fire either way. Either fire to the Son of God because He paid for your sins, or fire to you because you won't accept what He did. It's up to you. It's up to us. I have a baptism to undergo, and it's common in the Greek culture. They use it a lot for many different things, and we don't necessarily say baptism because it kind of has a religious flavor to us anymore but we use the word immersed maybe more regularly than that we say we're immersed in something i was immersed in this book that i was reading not paying attention you know we use that kind of phraseology i was immersed in my job i was uh, immersed in the pain of the moment we use the same kind of thing that's exactly what jesus is saying here it's a figure of speech i'm going to be immersed in something he says oh how I dread or how I can't wait until it is come. It, I'm in anguish until it's come. We, we tend to think of the Garden of Gethsemane as being the place where, it, in some ways, as if it dawned on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane what he's gone through. No, guys, he knew it a long time. He suffered every day with the inevitability of where he was headed and what he was going to be doing for you and I. He, he was going to be immersed in something. He knew it. Jesus is going to be immersed in the fires of judgment for us. And fire is a perfect dividing thing. Like I said, if, if I light fire to stuff like this, what happens? Poof, right? Anybody ever seen what happens at a fire in a household when you get a really big fire? Everything that can burn will burn. Even stuff you think can't burn, burns. But what gets left? Well, the most expensive stuff you have in some cases. This. Light a fire to that, poof. Light a fire to that, really poof. What about lighting a fire to that? See, it's, fire has different properties, right? I mean, it's the same fire, but it, 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 it works differently depending on what it's hitting. Now, if, if it hits this, yeah, compared to that, totally different. See, Jesus is coming bringing fire, and it's going to test whatever's there. Fire is a dividing thing. It's a divisive thing. And speaking of fire and speaking of immersion, not forget the sobering words of John the Baptist, Jesus' first cousin. Indeed, I baptize you with water and repentance. Now, that's the thing to go under if you're going to go under anything. But notice what Jesus does. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize, immerse you, notice, in the Holy Spirit, and fire two options one or the other what will you choose but in both cases it's full immersion not sprinkling you with the spirit he's immersing you to praise god through faith in jesus christ we're immersed in the spirit of god we're immersed in the the church is immersed we 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 go under we the symbol of course we take you out into the gulf and we put you under and of course we we bring you back up because you know you can't breathe down there (laughs) But when Jesus immerses you, you don't come up. You don't come up. John the Baptist, he put you down and let you back up. But when the Son of God immerses you, whatever medium, and there's only two, 
Whatever medium he immerses you in, you do not come up. You want to understand what the church is? It's the body of people in the world today who are immersed in the Spirit of God. You want to understand what hell is? It's the body of people who, because of their position regarding the cross, not accepting what Jesus has done, will be immersed in fire, never to come up. Never. Never, never. Jesus is the immersing. He's immersing in both mediums. He's the Son of God. The cross is the key to the fire. Years ago in our American West, 150 years ago, there was a group of settlers that were traveling west and uh, headed across, you know, classic picture in, the, in the, uh, the wagon train headed across the western prairies. They could smell smoke, see no fire. They, they'd smell smoke for maybe a day, saw no fire. No idea where was coming from. The wind was blowing from, from the direction they were heading. It was blowing towards them, but they still saw no fire. But they, they were smelling these little wisps of smoke every once in a while. Finally, they came over this small rise, and they could see way in the distance they could see fire. The problem was, it wasn't just a little fire. It stretched from one side of the horizon all the way over to the other side of the horizon. It was coming their way. Got a problem. You know, they can't outrun it. They have kids. They have uh, animals. uh, 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 Wagons don't roll fast, especially when there are no streets. So they knew they had to do something, and a couple of men that were in the group knew what they needed to do. So right behind them in the direction the wind was blowing, they lit a fire. And they burned out an area. They set a fire behind them. And, and once the fire had burned over, then they took all the kids and all the chickens and goats and all the wagons and moved them into the burn area so that when the fire got to them, nothing else to burn. And they lived. They survived. Jesus has done the same thing. God, through his son Jesus, has set a backfire for us. He's burned a spot. But, but, but it's not enough to know that Jesus is the one, that the cross is the answer, right? So, so how are you different than the devil? So you know this stuff. The devil knows all that stuff. So you've got to go. So, so if I'm, I'm in the wagon train, and, but I stay where the green grass is, what's going to happen? Fire's going to consume me. Not enough to know that's a good place to stand. Not enough to know that's a good place to be. Not enough to know that others are going in, in, into the place that's been burned over. No, I myself have to go there. That's why we hold out constantly. You must have a personal encounter with the Savior in which you place yourself in Him. Not enough to know, okay, Jesus is a good teacher, awesome, yeah. Jesus was a miracle worker, yeah. Jesus preached peace, yeah. But not unconditional peace. You you hear this from people I've heard a lot over the years. I've been a pastor. uh, One of these days, I'm going to make peace with the man upstairs. No, you're not. You don't get to make your peace with him. See, it's his heaven. You act like you have something to bring to the table. Like he, you have something that he needs. No. you got no bargaining chips. He's made his peace with you. You either accept it or you do not. But, but, but be sure of this. It's going to divide. It's going to split us right down the middle. Wife and husband, husband and children, as it says there, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. All these things are coming because the cross is the key, and people are divided at the cross. Divided at the cross. Where do you stand today?
Have you trusted Christ as Savior? Have you personally placed yourself in Him? I want to ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. We, we not, not for a while now, have been offering and inviting people to come to the front, but you don't have to, there's no magic about the front of the church. There is a magic, though, about the altar of your heart. And that altar is the place where you need to go. I tell you, you could come to the front a thousand times, but not meet the Savior. But you don't have to come to the front at all to find the Savior because He stands ready to accept you. The same one who's going to bring the fire first took the fire for you. Hung Himself on a cross. He's controlling everything. And yet, never even asked. But here He comes to become a man just like us. To take the fire. To take the judgment. To, to be immersed in the medium of the thing that was going to destroy us. He himself was immersed in that so that we could have the peace of God. Would you accept him today? The altar of your heart right there where you are. Would you accept him today? God, I thank you that you sent Jesus. And Lord, we are looking for that day in which he will clear this world of evil things. We're looking for the day in which the government will rest upon his shoulders. We're looking for the day in which we can truly say, this is a peaceful place. The Prince of Peace reigning. But we don't have to wait for that day for you to reign in our hearts. Lord, we pray that through your Spirit you would reign in our hearts. We pray, God, for the person here or the person who's listening right now who needs that peace. He or she has to know that the cross is the key. Help them to know that, Lord. Help them to respond. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.